What's happening guys, Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Caffeinate today for March the 25th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. I do hope this one finds you well and for those that are brand new to the show, this is a daily gaming news podcast in which I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and today we're talking about everything that happened over the weekend because a good bit was announced later in the day on Friday and also over the two days that consist of the weekend Uh, but without further ado I do want to tell you guys it's gonna be a big week we have an Xbox event and a PlayStation event both of which are going to be emulating Nintendo Nindy directs which is something that's very interesting to me also on top of that Apple has an event today that is reportedly going to be unveiling a monthly gaming subscription service again that's a report that's a rumor but could be interesting. Nintendo is reportedly releasing two new Switch models, many, many reports today. On top of that, Google Stadia will not allow offline downloads, which is an interesting take. Overwatch endorsements have reduced toxic behavior by 40%. The Yakuza spinoff voice actor has been replaced after a cocaine scandal. And on that lovely note, that will conclude the show. But of course, if you are brand new here, the show is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday at twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams at 7 a.m. Eastern time if you did want to check it out live. But of course, it's up on YouTube services and podcast services around the world if you did want to check it out there. Uh, But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to this Microsoft Nintendo Direct style show. Hot on the heels of Sony's announcement of a Nintendo Direct-style show set to debut on Monday, which we'll talk about momentarily, Microsoft has announced a take on the Nindy Directs, and it debuts on Tuesday. ID at Xbox Game Pass is a stream designed to highlight indie games coming to Xbox Game Pass. The first is set for 4 p.m. UK time on Tuesday, the 26th of March, and you can watch it on the Xbox YouTube channel. In a blog post on the Xbox Wire, Microsoft said it is expected to reveal... Excuse me, let's start over. In a blog post on Xbox Wire, Microsoft said to expect new reveals as well as gameplay highlights and conversations with developers. The debut will run through some games already shown. Microsoft said to expect segments on After Party, Void of Bastards, and Supermarket Shriek, but a new game announcement or even multiple, are also promised as well. ID at Xbox Game Pass is in addition to Microsoft's own Inside Xbox show, which has been used a few times in recent years to promote games coming to the platform. The most recent Inside Xbox revealed Halo Master Chief Collection for PC, among other things. Now, unlike Sony, Microsoft will attend E3 in June with a media briefing that may reveal next-gen consoles. This new indie-focused show could be a good way to give indies the attention they deserve as we gear up towards a bigger AAA push. Now, normally I would stop and talk about that, but let's talk about what Sony is doing today. Because Sony is going to be streaming a PlayStation News event on March the 25th, and of course it is emulating the style of the Nintendo Direct with announcements and trailers. After declining to run PlayStation Experience last year and pulling out of this year's E3, Sony is turning to a different strategy for game announcements and updates. On March the 25th, its State of Play streams will debut on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. The first episode will include game reveals, trailers, and gameplay footage for PS4 and PSVR, while there will be more State of Play streams throughout the year. Sony is fairly obviously taking advantage and taking a page out of Rivals Playbook here. Nintendo does not hold press conferences at E3 either, instead opting to make announcements throughout the year via Nintendo Direct streams. 
So on the surface level, now that we've established what both PlayStation and Xbox are doing, these seem to be relatively similar. However, I would say they aren't that similar. When it comes to Microsoft, let's talk about Xbox first. This seems to be something that is focusing nearly entirely on the indie focused side of xbox because that's something that they've lost touch with uh, touch with over the years uh, we've talked about that on previous episodes of the podcast where essentially the nintendo switch is now the best place to play an indie game they just bring tons and tons of indies and they pump nindies as they call them up in nintendo's catalog Xbox used to have that exact same style of approach to indies way, way back in the day. And I say way, way back, just a couple of years ago. And so I think they do want to kind of grab that and take control again and really get back into that indie market because there are fantastic indie games that come out uh, that are way better than some AAA projects that I have seen. And I'm sure that they definitely want a piece of that pie. Uh, so this seems like a pretty good way to not necessarily focus the entirety of an E3 show on indie games coming to your console, but rather to give a specific focus, a 30 to 45 minute roughly estimated show uh, that is entirely focused on indies. That really does appeal to those that want to get in on those indie games on Xbox. Uh, so it will definitely be interesting and I will be watching that tomorrow again at 4 p.m. UK time and you can translate that to your own time zone on March the 26th. Now when it comes to PlayStation and Sony, that's a bit of a different kind of scenario. This I think is going to be much, much more similar to a Nintendo Direct style setup where you do have a couple throughout the year that show what Sony and PlayStation are working on behind the scenes. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good way to approach stuff, especially when you are pulling out of E3. As we've seen with Nintendo, you don't have to have a physical presence at E3 to make big waves at E3. That's just something that the internet has made possible. That's something that has been uh, really brought into the industry over the past couple of years as a big part of how people get their news. Uh, you know, back whenever E3 first kicked off, it was a necessity because industry insiders had to get in there and learn what was going on. And the best way to do that back then was to pretty much convene one time a year firsthand and go to the mountaintop and come back down with whatever the Oracle said. Uh, now you can literally just click start in OBS or XSplit or whatever kind of fancy streaming service they use and boom, shakalaka, you're out there on five different platforms with 46,000 viewers. It happens that way. And so you don't need E3 anymore. I hate to be that guy as somebody who loves E3, as somebody who has done years of E3 coverage here on the channel, we just don't need it anymore. And so I think that's pretty much the approach that PlayStation is taking uh, with these state of play events. And so I cannot wait to watch this one because I, of course, love PlayStation, PlayStation fanboy through and through. Uh, I like Xbox. I like Nintendo Switch. PlayStation will always be my home, uh, but I will definitely be seeing what they have to offer whenever it comes to this state of play. I'm expecting some more maybe videos of Days Gone. I'm not really even sure what to expect from state of play because I thought we knew pretty much everything PlayStation had up its sleeve for the year, but apparently not. Uh, and again, if you want to tune into the first state of play, it starts on March the 25th today as of the time of this recording at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time. But let's talk about what Apple is going to be doing, because today, of course, there is a big Apple event going on. But according to some reports, Apple is considering a monthly gaming subscription service. 
While Google is making waves in the gaming market with its Stadia streaming service, another tech giant is also looking to how it can expand within the space, Apple. Bloomberg reports the company, who is looking for new ways to capitalize on its enormous install base as its hardware sales begin to slow down, may reveal new subscription services to keep users spending after they've invested in their Apple hardware, and this could include a gaming subscription service. The service would be less Stadia and more like Xbox Game Pass. It would take several paid games, so no free-to-play games like Fortnite, on its iPhone and iPad app stores and bundle them together every month for a flat fee, letting users slowly build a library of games that they do not own. The service would pay out to developers based on the amount of time players spend within their games. According to Bloomberg, Apple could announce the service as early as this Monday, March the 25th. We will see if that is the case, but the company is also expected to roll out a new video and news subscription service at that time, which will make a gaming subscription seem likely as well. Uh, interesting approach here. I think that when it comes to subscription services, they are a fantastic way to get products, to get games, to get media into the hands of people without charging an incredibly high entry fee. Uh, so for instance, when you wanted to watch movies back before Netflix was a thing, you would literally have to accrue a giant library of Blu-rays or DVDs, which can get very, very pricey and also stagnant because once you buy a DVD, it doesn't all of a sudden turn into another DVD. You are stuck with the same movie until the end of time. And so whenever you have that kind of subscription service, it brings more value for the consumer. And so for Apple to bundle some of these, you know, popular iPhone, iPad games, whatever they might be, into a monthly service, whatever it might be, maybe five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Sure, if you are one person that does play games on the iPhone and the iPad, of which there are many, I am not one. Uh, but with that being said, it definitely makes sense for them to at least offer it. Now, will it be as good as Xbox Game Pass? Absolutely not. But it's interesting to hear that this is the report coming out. It seems to me uh, that Apple would be more keen to maybe make something uh, similar to Google Stadia, where you can play a game anywhere based off of just the fact that you have Apple hardware. If you have a MacBook Air, an iPad, and an iPhone, let's say that you buy a game on Mac, you can then play that on any of your other Apple devices. That seems like something that makes more sense, but... Maybe they want to take a different approach to it. Uh, with that being said, I will let you guys know what happens with the Apple event if anything gaming related does come out of it. Of course, the main focus of the Apple event does seem to be on the fact that hardware sales are slowing down. So as this article does say, uh, they're trying to find new ways to charge you money. Which you can't blame them because I'm still using an iPhone 7 and it's great. So, you know, don't really need anything new. So I might as well get a subscription service of some kind according to the guys at Apple. Uh, but we'll see how that one works out. And of course, the event, I believe, is being held today. And uh, we will let you guys know what comes out of that. Now, another report that came out overnight is actually incredibly intriguing. Nintendo is reportedly releasing two new Switch models over the summer. Expanding on a rumor they first published last year, the Wall Street Journal now reports that Nintendo is planning on releasing two new models of the Switch, and both may be out in 2019. The first, they say, will have enhanced features targeted at Avid gamers, although it won't be as powerful as Sony's PlayStation 4 Pro or Microsoft's Xbox One X. The second model is a cheaper option for casual gamers that Nintendo sees as a successor to its aging handheld device, the 3DS. The Wall Street Journal cites both parts suppliers and software developers in their report. It is claimed that the cheaper model will cut costs by removing features with vibration specifically cited so that HD rumble that you get with your Joy-Cons, oh no, not in the cheaper model, 
No, 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 no. But the Wall Street Journal says both new versions are expected to be announced at E3 and possibly released a few months later, in time for both Christmas and the release of new games like Pokemon Sword and Shield and Animal Crossing. The possibility of two new models is an interesting one. I think, the author says, most people polled after the first report would have guessed that a new Switch would be either cheaper or a souped-up console for fanboys. Getting both would be wild. Uh, very interesting to hear that this could potentially be the way that Microsoft, or excuse me, the way that Nintendo is going to approach their new console. Uh, of course, the Nintendo Switch in and of itself is affordable for what you're getting, and on top of that, not old in the slightest. It's only a couple of years old at this point. So to release any kind of new model in 2019 would be a bit puzzling for me because they don't frankly need to uh, but with that being said let's assume this is the correct report let's assume this is what's going to be happening and by christmas we have two different models of the nintendo switch on top of the original model that nintendo pumped out a couple of years ago okay you know it's one of those things where if i were to go into a GameStop and say hey i want a nintendo switch and then the 16 to 17 year old employee lays out you know three nintendo switch models for me I would probably end up choosing the one for avid gamers because quite frankly, it probably has a nicer screen on it. That's what it comes down to. A lot of people have said uh, that the avid gamer description definitely brings up the idea of having a full HD screen on the go. And that would be a game changer because the Nintendo Switch is incredibly impressive when it comes to playing games on the go. But imagine playing Breath of the Wild on the handheld Nintendo Switch in 1080p. That would be gorgeous uh, now with that being said is this actually whenever you really sit down and think about it a reasonable expectation to think that nintendo is going to be pumping out two different models of the nintendo switch in one year i don't think so i think that the wall street journal might have this one wrong i just i know it's the wall street journal i know there are many reputable sources it just doesn't seem like something that makes sense to me but the Nintendo 3DS does need to be replaced. I mean, it's one of those things where the console itself is very old. And so to have a bigger, newer entry level model uh, to get into Nintendo's line of hardware without having to go back and buy an old 3DS is something that I think the market could use. But is it something that makes sense? Uh, you know, it's up in the air for me. Uh, but we will see what happens. Of course, E3 is right around the corner and that would probably be announced during a Nintendo Direct. And of course, I'll be watching the Nintendo Direct for sure. Nintendo's doing some incredible stuff. I love the lineup they've got. I love the the identity that they've built for themselves over the course of the past few months and really past few years because I wasn't on board with the Nintendo Switch and I actually sold mine that I got on launch day. But as time has gone on and more games have been added to the catalog, it's incredible to see where the little console has gone. And uh, I would love to get an entry-level model, maybe around uh, 150, 200 bucks. I might get back in on that, even if it doesn't have the HD rumble or whatever it is. That's fine. I want to play some Nindies. I want to play with. I want to play with your Nindies, Nintendo. I want to play with your Nindies while eating tendies. Uh, anyways, moving on to some more talk about Google Stadia. Apparently, it's not going to be allowing offline downloads because, quote, it would be a compromise of our vision if we were to do that. They say. Google is taking its first significant step into gaming with Stadia, its ambitious new cloud platform. Like Microsoft's xCloud, Stadia will offer players the ability to stream video games across a variety of devices along with a host of other innovations such as state sharing, which is essentially where, hey, I made it to this point in the game, now you do it and you send it to somebody over the internet. And while there are still many questions lingering around the platform, one thing we know now is that there will not be 
the ability to play offline via offline downloads. GameSpot got a chance to speak with Google VP Phil Harrison at the Game Developers Conference, and they asked Harrison if Google will ever consider giving players the option to download content from Stadia and enjoy it offline, as such services as Spotify and Netflix do. No, not technically possible, Harrison replied. It would be a compromise of our vision if we were to do that. This ties into Google's previous confirmation that it will not release its own set-top box to run Stadia. Rather, all of the games available on the platform will be streamed from the company's data centers, and they'll be playable across desktops, smartphones, laptops, tablets, and TVs, the latter through a Chromecast Ultra HDMI streamer. Google will, however, release a dedicated Stadia controller that features unique buttons to capture and share gameplay and access Google Assistant. Of course, they go on to talk more about the games and the studios and all that good stuff, but essentially what we need to focus on here is that Stadia will not have offline downloads. And you may be saying, oh no, I can't play in the middle of the Oregon wilderness? No, you can't. That's the biggest point that I want to make with this. Google is going to go into the future of gaming from their perspective with the assumption that you are always going to have some kind of internet connection when you sit down to play a game. That's what it comes down to. And for the most part, as somebody who is a modern day 22 year old, that pretty much fits into my description. You know, whenever I sit down to play a game, I'm more than likely at my computer. I'm more than likely in front of my TV. I'm more than likely in a room with Wi-Fi because I'm relaxing and not walking down the road with a flat tire, which is the first scenario that popped into my head in which I don't have Wi-Fi. Uh, but with that being said, I think it makes sense to approach it from this perspective because I understand that maybe I am the outlier here, but the vast majority of people, in my opinion, probably have at least a solid YouTube streamable internet connection when they sit down to play games. And so, of course, maybe I'm making an assumption here. Maybe that's something uh, that I should definitely consider whenever I'm thinking about, well, you know, whenever I'm thinking about other people and their other playing uh, capabilities and their other kinds of uh, ways of play. But with that being said, I think that Google is definitely not going to be taking that into account uh, going into the future. And so, if you don't have a good internet connection, definitely would not recommend Stadia. And that's something that a lot of people can identify with. But to not allow offline downloads is also something that I think, whenever you're looking at competition in a similar kind of streaming you know, industry, uh, Netflix, offline downloads, it makes sense. Whenever it comes to that style of thing, again, maybe Google just doesn't see it that way. But... I guess we'll just have to make do. Anyways, let's talk about these Overwatch endorsements because of course, for those that don't know, Overwatch unveiled a brand new way to pretty much rank people based off of whether they were shitty or not. Uh, if they were bad people in the game, you could then reflect that in their endorsements. Uh, and so Overwatch endorsements have since reduced toxic behavior by 40%. That's pretty impressive. Blizzard has been waging a war against toxic players for a while, but how is it faring exactly? Quite well, it seems. The company's Natasha Miller has revealed that the number of matches with negative behavior has dropped 40% since the addition of endorsements. The looking for group feature and penalties for prematurely quitting matches, of course, helped as well. Players were not only encouraged to play as a team and stick together through the entirety of matches, but could find teammates who were more likely to comp- uh, What? Oh, compliment. Wow, it's 720. I need to sound things up. Players were not only encouraged to play as a team and stick through the entirety of matches, but could find teammates who were likely more comp... comp I, I want to say competent. I run into the same thing every time. They were good. They ran into good players. They helped each other through the match. End of story. The company even set up a server that helped it find out if players saw the endorsement system as a responsible 
as responsible for the drop in hostile behavior and the perception was close to reality, Miller said. This isn't to say that Blizzard's achievements is flawless. I can't read this article. This is not to say that Blizzard's achievement is flawless. It is not clear how many instances of toxic behavior there are, and a 40% dip still leaves a lot of players causing grief. Still, it's a start, and it might show other game developers how they can create a welcoming environment by changing attitudes, not just banning offenders. Uh, and so, as I stumble through that article, which is a staggering three paragraphs, uh, I do want to kind of take a moment to applaud the team behind the scenes over there at Overwatch for allowing this to be implemented in their game. Because I, for one, have a thick skin when it comes to being shit-talked in a game. I have been, you know, born in it, molded by it, in the words of Bane. It doesn't really affect me anymore. With that being said, the Overwatch community was incredibly toxic when I was still playing the game, and that was a couple of years back, and it's a part of the reason why I stopped playing. Not the main reason why I stopped playing, but one of the reasons I stopped playing. And so whenever I take that into consideration, and I see that this has been reduced by 40%, and that matches are in general better overall that's a fantastic move forward i think that overwatch as a competitive game has to have some kind of of you know way to mesh players together and get them to connect with each other throughout their gameplay experience because if you don't it isn't a true competitive game it is not esports ready as the phrase goes now with that being said interesting to see that 40 percent of the toxic behavior has been reduced. Again, could this be skewed data? Perhaps. It depends on how they measured it. It depends on who responded. Uh, but overall, any improvement is some improvement, and that's a pretty good thing to be able to report on. But let's talk about some improvements, such as getting rid of your nasty cocaine habit, because the Yakuza spinoff voice actor has been replaced after a cocaine scandal, which we talked about last week. This entire scenario, this entire scandal, through the existence of the game in the West up in the year. Because, of course, Yakuza Judgment, I believe it's called, uh, was supposed to be coming to the West, and after this, it was pulled from shelves in the East, and everybody's like, is it just going to be non-existent? Apparently not. Looks like we are still getting it. Yakuza spinoff Judgment is getting a character model and Japanese voice acting replacement for its Western release due to unforeseen circumstances, according to Sega, uh, announced uh, Friday via Twitter. Due to the unforeseen circumstances, the character model and Japanese voice for the character of Kyohi Hamura, nailed it, will be adjusted for the Western release of Judgment, launching on June the 25th of 2019, Sega stated. Screenshots and trailers... Featuring Hamura have been temporarily removed from all of Sega's official channels, and updated versions of these materials will be made available at a later date. Hamura is modeled after the character's voice actor, Pierre Taki, who was arrested for cocaine use earlier this month. Taki is an actor and musician, perhaps best known in Japan as the frontman for synth group, synth pop group, excuse me, Dinky Groove. Taki's arrest resulted in Sega halting sales of judgment in Japan, as drug use in the country is comparatively more controversial to the public and drug laws more strictly enforced than in some Western countries. The arrest also caused Disney a bit of a headache, as Taki provides the voice of Olaf in the Japanese version of Frozen. <laughs> what, a, what a career this dude's got. He's, he's the front man of a synth pop group. Okay. He's a dude in Yakuza Judgment. Okay. And he's Olaf in Japanese Frozen. Okay, whatever it might be. Disney stores in Tokyo have opted to pull Blu-rays and soundtracks for the movie from its shelves, and Disney issued a statement today that it has halted production of Frozen Blu-rays and DVDs, according to Japan. 
today. Thankfully, it doesn't seem the controversy will delay Judgment's June release here in the West, but stay tuned and also be sure to take a peek at Variety's first look at the upcoming Yakuza spinoff, which now is exactly the same, but with one different voice actor and character model. Uh, so with that being said, this dude messed up, but it is what it is, you know. Uh, if you if you can't do the time, don't do the crime, as they say. Uh, so it looks like Yakuza Judgment is still on track. I know much to the pleasure of a lot of Yakuza fans out there. Uh, but could this be delayed still? I would say perhaps. It depends on how quickly they find a replacement and a good replacement at that. Uh, but good to see that it's not going to be canceled entirely. That's for sure. And so with that being said, that wraps up today's episode of Cabinet. If you did enjoy today's show, be sure to drop me a like down below. And of course, you can always hang out and watch the show live on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time, where I need to start getting up earlier so I can read things in a concise way and not get confused. Uh, but with that being said, the show is up on YouTube and podcast services around the world. New videos on the weekends. You know the drill. Subscribe if you like it. And of course, be sure to add that podcast to your feed. Uh, but until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic Monday. And I'm going to be watching the State of Play tonight. Noise.